Welcome in to Talking Terps, a show which covers University of Maryland basketball and football. Talking Terps is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Terrapins. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome into Talking Terps. I'm your host, Zach Kiesel. Talking Terps is brought to you courtesy of Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. Mercer is a third-generation family business established in 1959 and located on Main Street in beautiful historic downtown Westminster, Maryland of Carroll County. For all of your flooring needs, think Mercer. So we've got a big Maryland win, a shutout win over Howard to talk about uh, last weekend, and they're going to face off against Illinois in their first road test of the season and their first conference test of the season on Friday night. So to help me break everything down, my co-hosts, Mike Popovic, Pat Donahue. Pat, how's it going, man? It's going well, Zach. Excited to watch our uh, undefeated Terps get into conference play and, and see what they're made of on the road. So uh, should be a good one. Yeah, Mike, how you doing? Doing well, staying entrenched in football at all three levels, high school, college, and, and the pros. So exciting time, very busy time of year. Yeah, but a good time of year for sure to have football back and fans in the stands. I know I was watching the uh, – the Ravens, of course, I was watching uh, all the NFL games with the Ravens game Monday night. And despite the loss, it was good to see fans in the stands. Um, that was certainly a, a welcome sight after last year. So, Mike, before we get into the Howard game and the Illinois game for Maryland, I want to give you a chance to quickly run down some of the highlights of what we saw in the Big Ten last weekend. Yeah, I mean, a couple of games that stand out. Obviously, third-ranked Ohio State. Oh, there we go. We've got some audio. No, uh, third-ranked Ohio State. I didn't plan it that way. Third-ranked Ohio State losing at home for the first time since 2017. They fall to number 12, Oregon, you know, 35-28. And I think what's even more amazing here is what Mario Cristobal has done with Oregon and really beefing up and uh, – making tough those offensive and defensive lines. Now, obviously, the defense gave up a fair amount of yards and points to Ohio State, too, but uh, Oregon offensively manhandled Ohio State up front. Freshman quarterback and gets they the ball really, back uh, to pass. He's at the Oregon 24, flips it I'm out. Sorry, guys. I guess I'm, that keeps wanting to play itself. But uh, they um, they manhandled Ohio State and ran to the tune of over 250 yards. C.J. Stroud, excuse me, C.J. Burdell had 161 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, but the fact that they manhandled Ohio State the way they did uh, was uh, was pretty shocking. Uh, and uh, that's not something Ohio State's used to. Uh, they're obviously uh, questioning themselves and their defensive coordinator, Kerry Coombs, this week. And uh, they've talked about making some changes. Could that be taking away his play-calling duties? We'll have to see. Uh, but for the Buckeyes to just be absolutely run over at home like that in the horseshoe is not something we're used to. You know, offensively, they put up 28 points. They put up huge numbers. C.J. Stroud, 484 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, but that was uh, surprising to see. And certainly uh, that uh, puts a crank in Ohio State's hopes for a college football playoff. Not impossible, uh, but that's obviously a huge win for Oregon there and for the Pac-12 uh, who really could use those kind of wins. So that was the first one that stood out. You know, number 10, Iowa winning at number nine, Ohio, uh, Iowa State. That is 27-17. And uh, they did it uh, fairly handily. They intercepted Brock Purdy three times a week after they intercepted Indiana quarterback Michael Penix three times. And they're not uh, – they didn't run the ball that great. They're not throwing the ball that great either. But they're just getting it done with a combination of uh, – 
you know, of good defense, just enough offense. They're off to a 2-0 start, and now they're up to number five in the country, which is uh, good for them. I don't know that they truly are the fifth-best team in the country, but that's what they say they are right now. But that's a big win against a very good Matt Campbell-Iowa State program and an in-state rivalry there. And then I guess just a couple others real quick. You know, number 11, Penn State scoring 44 points, a lot more than they did at Wisconsin, but their opponent, Ball State, no surprise there. Um, Illinois, who we play, obviously, in a couple of days that we'll talk about, uh, they lost at Virginia fairly handily, so they've lost two straight. Michigan State's off to a 2-0 start. Uh, Minnesota losing their star running back, but uh, they got a good performance from Trayson Potts against Miami of Ohio, though, uh, to be fair. But he ran for 180 yards and two touchdowns. So those were kind of the highlights. Um, Really wasn't much outside of that. And Michigan running it down the throats of Washington, who was a preseason top 25 team, but they've now lost to Montana and Michigan. It was a great crowd at the big house, exciting Saturday night. But they got it done very old school uh, with uh, with the running game. And they threw the ball, I think, less than 15 times. You don't see that much in college football anymore. Not unless you're Army or Air Force or Navy. <laughs> yeah, Navy having big-time problems. Wow, that, that was a crazy story. The yeah. AD firing the offensive coordinator uh, and going around the head coach on that one. Yeah, so uh, one big game in the Big Ten this weekend uh, to watch. Penn State faces off against Auburn. That's the big uh, 7.30 ABC Saturday night game. And then one interesting one for Terps fans to watch, uh, both of Maryland's next two opponents – Kent State and Iowa will play. I think that's a 3.30 game on Saturday afternoon. So that'll be an interesting one. You can scout both opponents at once. Um, so let's get into this Howard game. Um, and obviously we expected a big win. Um, and Maryland does shut out Howard 62 to nothing. Uh, two years ago when they played the Bison, they they beat him 79 to nothing. So I guess in that respect... Little bit of a lesser showing, but uh still still successful nonetheless. Um, Pat, was there anything that really stood out to you, something that you really liked uh after watching this game? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, you expect them to look really well or really good against um Howard. Um, but you know, they they not only did that, they were pretty much flawless in all aspects of the game. I mean, on defense, they they didn't let up any points, obviously. So, you know, A plus there. Tagovailoa, in his time playing, amazing. His stats are nearly perfect. Udinski comes in, goes 5 for 5 for 73 and a touchdown. He's perfect. Uh, All the running backs on the roster that were healthy, at least, uh, received some some carries and almost an equal amount of carries, and all were productive with their carries. Really nice to see Roman Hemby uh, get some run. I mean, Maybe he'll be the guy who emerges as the uh, you know backup to Tayon Fleet Davis. I know he's a you know good local story. Uh, I remember his. Um, I was covering his recruitment at the time, and I remember watching. I was like, I don't know if it was like Instagram Live or something like watching his uh, announcement party or whatever. All his family. I mean, one of the few kids I've seen in a while. Look, you know, not one of the few I should say, but one of the most excited uh, kids I I should say to commit to Maryland. Um, so good to see him, you know, be able to, to show out for the hometown school. Um, and, and he was from, was, wasn't he from Northern Virginia? Am I yeah. Yeah. Right DMV guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I forget the exact high school name, but yes, I know, you know, very yeah. local, um, very good high school player, just played for like a smaller mm-hmm. program that didn't, you know, necessarily, uh, get him like all the, uh, recruitment attention that, that. Well, he could have gotten. I, Hem, I thought Hemby, Hemby was from Edgewood. Went to John Carroll, didn't he? He could be. 
I feel like we got we got one, there was one guy from Nova. Well, I know he's not Baltimore. I know it's either like DC or Virginia. I can't keep track of every single well, location, right, but yeah. What was, well, it, what was it, John well, Carroll? Yeah, John, John Carroll, Carroll. But that that is in the Baltimore metro. That's in Hartford County. Is but it Littleton, okay. Littleton to St. John's. He may have been for Virginia. Yeah, yeah, Littleton, St. John's. Uh, you got to see him get the carries uh, too. That was fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, and then you got Demas and Jarrett still doing Demas and Jarrett things. I mean, I'm going to say it probably every single week on the podcast. These guys are pros, and I expect them to look like pros every week. I don't see a matchup in college that should be a problem for them. Um, yeah, it's just it was all around just great to see, uh, you know, the type of uh, performance you expect. And you keep that zero in the loss column, and you uh, – you know, get to hopefully whatever kinks, whatever they saw that they had to work on from the West Virginia game. Howard's a nice uh, buffer before you play uh, a Big Ten team to, to work those things out. So all good from my perspective. Yeah, I saw Pro Football Focus tweeted out that Maryland is the only team in college football to have two receivers graded above an 80 on their grades. And that didn't even include Dante Dimas somehow. That was uh, Rakeem Jarrett and Jayshon Jones. Oh, wow. Enough. I mean, Jason Jones so, didn't do much against West Virginia, too. I guess he's making the, the most of his routes. But that is uh, – was it this season or are they, are they talking about like – This season. Interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, that is – it's funny because Jason Jones, we know how talented he is. And, you know, Demas and Jarrett and the rest of the receiving core is so talented that Jones almost gets lost in the shuffle at this point. So, um yeah. yeah, and Brian Cobbs as well. Right, right, and there's no lack of talent there. Um, Tagovailoa, it's funny because my one buddy, um, we you know we were at my bachelor party a couple weekends ago, and he's telling me, uh, you know, he he placed uh, he put a couple dollars on a Tagovailoa Heisman bet, like 150 to one, and I laughed and I was like, hey, like I definitely Homer move, I get it, like I want a big bet before two doing a Homer thing, not expecting it's a hit but uh yeah i mean it's actually i really didn't think i thought we were like after the west virginia game those dreams were going to be crushed but like i'm not saying he's in like the national conversation yet but i mean he keeps putting up these numbers he will be and if he starts doing it against big 10 teams he will be um especially because he's got that um the prominence from just his family name and his brother so they'll they'll be more than willing to uh espn will be more than willing to hop on the tag of Aloha train again. Well, Mike, you know, he's got the supporting cast for the first time uh, in a while that a Maryland quarterback has had a supporting cast like this. We talked about the receivers and we had some running backs that have broken out this year as well. So, and not to mention the tight ends that have been uh, very good. Uh, you look at Chagosia McConquo and Corey Dykus. Um, so it, it's good to see that a Maryland to and we haven't even talked about, we talked about it last week. The offensive line has been excellent as well. Yeah. A couple of things that stand out to me from this game. First, if this is next year or the year after, and Maryland's on the trajectory that we hope and that we expect, this isn't a game that they should play again or a team that they should play again. Yeah. But I tell you this year coming off that West Virginia win, which was huge for the program it, for a lot of different reasons that we talked about last week. To have another home game against Howard, who's not very good. Bottom line, they're not very good. They may not win a game all year. But for Maryland to come out and play as strong as they did, to take care of business, to look as crisp as they did, and then to be able to get in 
a lot of the young guys and get them reps, get them a taste of what it's like to play out there, to get reps, to get the experience, all that. I think the timing of this was perfect. I really do. I, I have a good feeling about it. Again, if this was next year or the year after, I'd say, no, we, we, we've got to have better competition than Howard on the schedule. But I really think that worked out well. And, and I told you guys before we went on, in terms of the participation chart, I mean, I wrote down a handful of names of guys that got into the game. I mean, Pat, you mentioned Yudinsky, the backup, who looked like he hadn't missed a beat coming off surgery and all that. But you mentioned, you know, Hemby, the running back, the John Carroll freshman, Littleton from St. John's, who scored. Uh, I'm sorry, he did not score, but um, you know, he was one of the six running backs that got in the game uh, to see how deep we are there. But you had uh, a couple of St. John's backs. You had John Carroll back, uh, McDougal. Uh, from St. John's as well. His first rush was a touchdown on a great cutback. But to see like a Faust from St. John's hand off to a Littleton from, um, or excuse me, a Faust from South River hand off to a Littleton from St. John's or uh, a Henby from John Carroll, boy, that does my heart good to see that in-state talent out there playing with each other. So I, I think it worked out well. They took care of business. They got guys uh, in there who uh, could get some reps, get some experience. And the most important thing, they came out healthy. Yeah, very true. And to to have this game this week when you've got a quick turnaround and you face Illinois on the road on a Friday night, good to get the starters out. I believe the starters played the first drive of the second half and then uh, Loxley took them out and it was all backups roughly pretty much from that way on. Of course, he was sprinkling in backups at the skill positions um, and on defense all night long. I saw him be get in fairly early in the game um, at running back. Isaiah Jacobs is apparently dealing with a turf toe. Not sure if he'll be able to play this week or not. Um, something that I put in the preview, the Illinois preview article that I just posted uh, a couple hours ago was, you know, will one of these freshman running backs break through into the rotation? And if so, who? And it seems like Roman Hemby is the, the leader there. You know, we heard... I heard, and, and you know, when we talked about uh, which players we were looking forward to seeing, none of us mentioned the freshman running backs, and yet they were really the most impressive of the backups that got in. Um, we heard a lot about Hemby. They love his speed. Um, there was even some talk that he might return some kicks this year because um, he's just that electric with the ball in his hands. But like you mentioned, uh, Mike, Colby McDonald, um, to be able to score on your first collegiate touch, that's pretty special, uh, and it gave him the opportunity. And and with the new redshirt rules, this is not going to count against them. They're able to get in four games without having to burn a redshirt. Yeah. That's the benefit to games like this. You build up confidence in some of these younger players who otherwise might not have seen the field this year. Yeah, And, and the schedule works out well, too, with Illinois Friday night. Then Kent State, who's no pushover, they're playing Iowa this week. They played Texas week one, so they're at least a battle-tested team. Um, I think they run the spread. They've been pretty good at throwing the football. So the way the schedule works out, I think it's pretty good for Maryland all in all, where you have a tough week one, week two. It's about, you know, just refining, getting get your guys in. You got a Big Ten game. And then after your Big Ten game, you got a Kent State team that you should beat, but it'll be better competition than what Howard was. And then you get back into Big Ten play. So I kind of like the way that that's all uh, playing out. Right, yeah, right. So let, let's talk. Let's talk Illinois. Um so Maryland's going to head up to Champaign. Uh, it's their first road trip of the year, first conference opponent of the year. Um, Illinois, I, I believe we talked about it week one. They beat Nebraska. 
um, in a in an upset for sure. Pat and I made some money on it. Um, and then it's really all been downhill from there for for Brett Bielema. He's in his first year coaching the Illini um, after spending some time in the SEC with Arkansas, spent some time with Bill Belichick with the Patriots. But he's back in the Big Ten where he's re- where he really made a name for himself at Wisconsin. Um, and he really just doesn't have the team right now to run what he wants to run. He wants a, a, a solid defense that stops the run. He wants a, a, a big offensive line with big running backs that run the ball. And he really just, they really haven't su- had success doing any of that this year. Um, like Mike mentioned, they lost to Texas San Antonio uh, in week two or week one because Nebraska was week zero. And then they got blown out by, by Virginia last week. Um, Pat, what, what are you looking for the most in this game? What really stands out to you when you look at Illinois as an opponent? Yeah. Well, honestly, like I, I'm not going to say I've watched a ton of Illinois games in the past, like in any time in the past, you know, other than like when they play Maryland and I'm not claiming to be an Illinois expert, for, but from a betting standpoint, I've been on them this year. Cause not only did I have them beating Nebraska in week one, I actually, put money on UTSA to beat them in week two in a letdown spot. But I had seen some of UTSA last year and I knew they were kind of like a good mid-major team that, uh, you know, they have a lot of athletes on that team. And I really, you know, I think Nebraska stinks. So Illinois win over them wasn't overly impressive. Plus you had Illinois quarterback injured. um, And I know you wrote about that in your preview, uh, Zach, that, um, you know, Brandon Peters is going to be back. Uh, this week. And that has me, um, you know, given the, the Illini a little bit more respect for this week. I mean, the UVA lost bad loss. They, I don't think Illinois is a very good team, but I think with Peters back at the helm, um, that gives them their best chance to win. And this is, um, you know, not a game where Maryland can take them lightly. Maryland's going to be riding high. Um, obviously they won't really be looking ahead to Kent state, but they can't be looking ahead to the other, you know, big 10 teams on their schedule. They need to, uh, focus on this game, realize it's going to be a tough road test either way and, um, you know, show up. And I think as long as that happens, as long as they don't take the, um, the, the Illini lightly and they, um, play like they've been playing, this should be another W and um, you know, you should be heading into Kent state with a chance to go for now. So, so Mike Brandon Peters, the Michigan transfer, he transferred to Illinois a few years ago. Um, What can Maryland for you're the Michigan expert. So what, what can Maryland fans expect from Peters as a quarterback? Because he really, he only got has 13 snaps so far this season. Yeah, I would say he's got a good arm, not a great arm. Uh, He's a guy that has some mobility to him, but he's been banged up a bit over the last couple of years, both at Michigan and then obviously, as you saw here at Illinois. But he is an upgrade, as Pat talked about, over Arthur Sitkowski, although Sitkowski statistically did fairly well in the last two games. I mean, their issue was really defensively against Texas San Antonio. Now, Virginia, they didn't score the points, but they certainly put up a lot of yards uh, both in the air and on the ground. They just didn't get into the end zone against Virginia. Uh, But it is an upgrade. Uh, Peters is uh, more of your traditional, I would say, pro-style type quarterback, but they'll, they'll operate him probably under center and out of the shotgun a little bit. But you're right, Bielema likes to run uh, more of the old, what we call the old pro style kind of I-type offense where you're heavy up front, you're leaning on people, and you're running the football and you're play-action passing off of that. Um, So, yeah, him coming back, though, could be a bit rusty 
uh, Pat and Zach, with that. I, I think the thing that stands out to me is the experience they bring back, eight on offense and seven on defense, as we just talked about. Their defense is really uh, has really given up uh, a lot of points. They've been really uh, – I'm trying to think uh, – I was going to say hurting <laughs> their defense has been hurt uh, the last couple of weeks by uh, giving up a lot of yards and points to the uh, opposition. Uh, they've got a lot of guys in the offensive line that are back uh, this year. That's one of their strengths. Uh, they've got, it looks like four guys on the O line that are back from last year. So our defensive front will be challenged. And, uh, you know, it certainly seems offensively that we should be able to, you know, score some points on them. It's going to be a question of just going up there, road environment, um, being smart penalty-wise, not turning over the football and continuing to do our thing. Uh, but I expect Illinois to play better. It's a Friday night game. The fans will be pumped up. I expect after two straight losses and knowing Bielema and his background, I've got to think Illinois will play better and that it'll be a more competitive game than maybe what some people think. Don't get too caught up in Maryland's win over Howard because Howard's pretty bad. Yeah, the thing that stood out to me, and and I know people were the commentators during the Nebraska game were mentioning it was the number of super seniors that have returned and took advantage of the COVID guidelines for Illinois. So they've got a very experienced team, especially in the trenches, and it it seemed to be an advantage for them in the Nebraska game. But these last two weeks, they've just been abysmal. They haven't been able to run the ball at all. Uh, I know I, I was just looking at the box scores for their games against UTSA and Virginia. Sitkowski attempted over 40 passes in each of those games, and Bielema doesn't want his guys even sniffing 40 pass attempts, much less 30. Right. Um, you know, it, it, he really he wants them to be attempting maybe 25 passes a game and just running the ball down people's throats. Yeah, and I, and I agree, Zach. I mean, I think that, you know, Illinois um, the last two weeks has looked like a team that is, you know, very beatable, not anything to worry about. But I do think, um, you know, the way they've looked almost kind of speaks to the importance uh, of Peters in that offense. And it also kind of speaks to, I mean, we've seen Sikowski as a quarterback before. I, I covered him recruitment-wise. I went to a lot of camps that he was uh, at. I, honestly, not the best quarterback, to put it, you know, um, not so harshly. But, um, yeah, he just – him throwing – I think a lot of that, the byproduct was um, – Teams are stuffing the box. They know Illinois wants to run. Stuffing the box saying, we're going to make Sikowski beat us. Um, and he was forced to try and beat them and couldn't. So um, I do think Peters being in adds a whole nother dynamic to to their team. Um, they get their leader back, obviously. You guys both mentioned the, the seniority on both sides of the ball. Um, they have all the makings of a live dog. So I would basically, my feelings on the game are be cautiously optimistic. Feel good, you know, feel good that on paper Maryland should win the game and, and is the better team, but don't expect it to be a blowout and um, don't be surprised if they get got if they, you know, let up even a little bit. Oh, yeah. I'll, and go ahead. go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say that to me, this is also as much as West Virginia was a big win and a big statement game for Maryland and taking that next step. Uh, this Illinois game is also a, a big statement game in the sense that, okay, if they're the Maryland that we think they are on the road a Friday night in a charged environment, a team coming off two straight losses, getting their starting quarterback back, this ought to be a game that they come out and win. And you're right, Pat, it may not be pretty, it may not be perfect. Uh, they're favored by seven and a half, and, and Illinois may cover the spread. But this should be a game 
that uh, they're right down to the wire and come out and get the get the win in. Um, you're right, Illinois could win this game, but if this is the Maryland team that we think they ought to win this game Friday night, and to me, that may be as much a statement as West Virginia is because that game, first game of the year, you've got all season to prepare. You're at home. You've got fans in the stands, actually, even though some were West Virginia fans. This is a much different scenario. Conference game on the road Friday night. Team that's hungry to get back on the winning track with a good head coach, a good track record. So, uh, yeah, I think this will tell us a lot about this Terps team with this game as much as it did week one. And the Friday night yeah, this is a good those. point. I was, I was going to say, Friday, I didn't even bring that up. But the Friday night, I mean, you're going to have a uh, a ro- as raucous as an Illinois crowd can get. I would imagine that's what you're right, going right. to say. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting dynamic. I don't know well. if they'll be sipping champagne before the game, but they'll have some adult beverage before. Well, the they'll game. have many hours to do it is the key rather yeah. than having to have it with the eggs in the morning. Yeah. Any Friday classes at two, three, four o'clock? Uh, no one's going. No, to. and I always found it hard to get sufficiently drunk for a Saturday noon game. Just that's just <laughs> me, and my my stomach in the morning does not want beer, does not want liquor. Once once eggs and bacon, and that's about it. But a uh, Friday night game, no doubt, we're good. Yeah, this is one of those business trip type games. This is a game for Maryland that you should win against a honestly a lesser opponent. Um, but it's on the road and you're going to need to be more careful about things like turnovers and penalties and getting off to a strong start, because if you don't, you get the opposing fans into it and it can all spiral very quickly on the road. So this is, this is a good test for a team that hasn't been tested on the road so far this season. Um, you know, in last season they had what, one or two road games. Um, Obviously, they only played five games overall, so they really didn't get that test all that much last year. Uh, Obviously, that that first game against Northwestern didn't exactly go very well on the road. So the and that was a that was a Saturday night game. So this will this will be interesting. Um, You know, when I look at Illinois, um, you know, we talked about their quarterbacks. I think another issue that they've had offensively is that they really don't have a ton of weapons. Outside of they have this this freshman four star Isaiah Williams at receiver um, who has vastly I think he has like 19 receptions on the year and the next closest guy has like eight, seven yeah. or eight. Yep. Yeah. And so tight end who, and they're pretty good at tight end. But you're right. There is a big disparity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their offense, their passing offense, at least pretty clearly runs through one guy. Uh, and Maryland's got enough talented DBs that they ought to be able to shut down. Williams and force Peters to go to some of his other options. Um, so it's definitely something to watch for. Should also mention that Jacory and Bennett had another pick last week, a very impressive pick um, against Howard. So he's got uh, two picks on the year. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see if he can make it three straight games with a pick. Well, may- maybe it'll be Bennett, but I was going to say, Zach, are you calling Tarheeb still and Isaiah Williams as is the uh, matchup to watch for? or? I think that's the matchup. Yeah. Uh, you could also say Maryland's pass rush, um, being able to get pressure on Peters, um, force him into some long um, third downs. But but yeah, I think that's the matchup to watch is is Williams versus Tarheeb still. Um, because if you shut him down, then I don't really see a clear option as to where Peters is going to go with the ball. Right. Uh, and running back, they use a they use a rotation at running back. None of them have been overly successful this year, especially after the Nebraska game. And Maryland's run defense, I know they haven't faced anyone in the Big Ten yet, 
but the run defense has been very impressive. One of the best in the country. Yeah. Um, so that that's definitely um, promising. And we'll see. This will be, again, a test. How do you stack up against a Big Ten offensive line? Because I know that West Virginia's defensive line was not as big as your, or offensive line is not as big as you're necessarily going to see in the Big Ten. And Howard certainly wasn't. So for these defensive linemen and a, a position that's obviously been the biggest question mark on the defense this year, how do they perform? How do you perform in your first test against a Big Ten offensive line? That'll prepare you for what's going to be a a big matchup in College Park on October 1st against Iowa, who always has a talented offensive line. Well, and I think I said this a week or two ago, guys, that this is going to be a good start in terms of uh, trench, uh, you know, playing in the trenches here and getting ready for a game like Iowa because Illinois does have a lot of returning guys on both sides of the ball on the O-line and the D-line. And with Iowa, you know that that's their strength and that's what they like to do is be really strong at running the football on the offensive line. A lot of those guys go to the pros and we know how well coached they are there at Iowa. And then at the same time, as I mentioned, Iowa's defense is really, really good this year. A lot of returning guys and experience there. So this will be a good first step because in two weeks, you're going to face a team that really likes to get after it in the trenches and um, they'll have to be ready. So this will be a test for them there as well uh, against this Illinois team. Yeah, not just Iowa. You know, it seems like every Big Ten team you're you're facing, even the ones that run a spread and might want to throw it around a little bit, they've got a big offensive line and they have the ability to run the ball down your throat. Well, and you see Michigan has really tried to say, look, we've got to get that offensive line up and going. They finally, after several years of having issues with depth, they've got a lot of depth there and they ran the football down the throats of Washington. They're kind of taking, and not that Harbaugh hasn't run that style before Zach and Pat, but, but Zach, you know, as Ravens fans, it's almost as if Jim is taking a page from John and really trying to say, look, we're going to be contrary to what a lot of teams are doing, and we're going to take advantage of lighter defenses that are used to playing spreads, and we're going to come out and we're going to have, you know, two tight ends or a tight end and an H-back, and we're going to overload, and we're just going to pound the crap out of you. And they did that to Washington. Now we'll see if they're able to do that and and be uh, that one-sided throughout the rest of the year. I don't think they'll be able to. But nonetheless, though, um, you know, to your point about that, you're absolutely right. You know, there are some teams that are, are able to run. And look at Michigan State. Michigan State has run the ball really, really well themselves uh, in the last two weeks there. So that's uh, – and even though they have – I think their QB had four touchdown passes last week, they still ran for uh, their main back over 120 yards. So there, uh, there are some teams there that – and Ohio State, they're explosive as heck in the passing game, but they still run the football. Yeah, and even for a team like Maryland that has leaned on their passing attack this year – and did so last year as well. We saw against West Virginia that uh, when they were forced to run the ball and run out the clock and put together a drive where they needed some first downs to win that game, they were able to do it. Uh, And they have the backs, and the offensive line was able to get a push. So hopefully that continues for Maryland. It'll be a good test against Illinois. Uh, Like I mentioned before, they do have an experienced defensive line. They haven't had a ton of success this far uh, so far this year, however. and I'm sure Talia is licking his chops when he sees how poor Illinois has been against the pass because they are not only the worst pass defense in the conference, they are one of the worst in the country. Uh, they have not been able to stop anybody through the air. And for Maryland's quarterback and f- at least three or four pro future pro-wide receivers uh, and tight ends, 
Um, they got to be licking their chops and it should be, should be on paper, a, another big day for Maryland's passing attack. And some, you know, they ought to be able to really have their way with Illinois. If you look at, you know, how things have gone for each team so far this season. I was just going to say, if you take a look, they've got three guys in the secondary that returned this year, Zach. So you'd think maybe they'd be a little bit better, but the one corner returning as a sophomore, the strong safety is returning as a junior and the free safety is senior. And the other corner that's not a returning starter is a junior. But despite some of that experience there, you're right. They have not, uh, they've not been very good. And not that they've really faced off against any high flying uh, passing offenses, you know, Virginia, not exactly known for, for throwing the football around, have, at least as far as I know, five touchdowns. Exactly. And uh, yeah. And, and week one though, uh, right. Adrian Martinez is not a good throwing quarterback, yeah. although he's had some decent games the last two weeks, but they haven't really played anybody Buffalo last week, but yeah, to your point though, you're absolutely right. This will be uh, the best passing game that they faced uh, to date. Yeah. So that, that'll be, should be fun to watch, hopefully. Um, and the key for Maryland's offense, and I mentioned it before, is limiting turnovers. They still, knock on wood, have not had a turnover so far this year. Um, and they'll be hoping to, to to keep that going this week. Um, and, you know, obviously turnovers are magnified on the road. Um, I'm sure they're going to want to come out slinging the ball around. And so far, Tully has done a good job of, of taking care of the ball. And so have the running backs. So that'll be that'll be interesting. Mara, uh, I also saw uh, Illinois defense. It's never a good sign when your five leading tacklers are DBs. Yeah, that's just not a good sign no, at all. Not at all. Uh, and they are in a new defensive scheme. They're running an odd front, uh, three man front uh, after Lovey Smith's even front Tampa two. I think they're trying to play more man to man. I I have not watched their games against UTSA and Virginia, but I know against Nebraska, one of the reasons that they were having so much success early, at least in stopping Nebraska's passing game was that they were playing a lot of cover one and they were being aggressive with their corners. Now that hasn't paid off the last two weeks and clearly people have figured out ways to beat them. And I'm sure Mike Loxley has an idea of what he wants to do if, and when Illinois comes out and press man, you know, Maryland Pat has a lot. You know, we talked about the receivers. These guys are fast. Every single one of them. You run down the list: Demas, Jarrett, Cobbs, Jones, uh, both Jones, Daryl, and Jay Sean. All super fast and should be able to take the top off of this defense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you've, uh, I think you've officially talked me off the close, close game ledge and, and into a <laughs> blowout. I mean, I mean, really, like on paper, you're, you're right. I mean, our our strength is our receivers. Their, their weakness is their uh, secondary, or at least one of their weaknesses. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, on paper, this really should be a game that Maryland can dictate uh, what happens. Um, just a matter of going out there and executing. And really, to your point about the turnovers, that might be the biggest thing. Because when you when you find yourself, it's very hard to get blown out if you don't turn the ball over. If you, if you have zero turnovers every game, you, you – you're pretty much going to find yourself in every game. So in these games where you're expected to win or you're a seven plus point favorite, basically if you don't turn the ball over or do anything too stupid, you should just be able to execute, run through the motions and, and be, you know, come out on top. So we'll see if they're able to do that. Limiting, limiting big plays as well. Illinois has not been a big play offense. Uh, Their best drives against Nebraska came on long, plotting drives where they were running the football and wearing down Nebraska's defense. Um, But 
they didn't have Brandon Peters. So Brandon Peters has a better arm than Sinkowski did. So the way you lose this game is not only by turning the ball over, um, and that's clearly the quickest way, but another way you lose is by giving up big chunk plays to Illinois offensively and letting them drive down the field easily, make them earn the drive. Right. If we let up chunk plays against this offense, (laughs) we're going to be hitting the, the panic button about the defense in our next podcast. So. Yeah, and I mean, they they tightened up against West Virginia. West Virginia hit a few chunk plays early, but they were able to tighten things down and hard to read too much into that first game of the year. Um, But, you know, if that happens this week, that's how Maryland loses. It's going to be by beating themselves. Penalties, another reason uh, why they could beat themselves. And Mike, we talked about before the year, Mike Loxley had mentioned that penalties was something that he was really concerned about, something they struggled with the last two years. Over the first two weeks of the season, though, really have not been beaten by penalties. A couple times against West Virginia, but only five penalties last week against Howard. Right. I think, too, certainly you want to keep the amount of penalties to as minimum as possible. But realize, too, that even if you do that, if those five penalties, and that wasn't the case, thankfully, against West Virginia, but if those five penalties, if three of them are in critical situations, that can still be impactful. You know, even if you have two if it's a really tight game and they come at the worst time, then even the two are the worst. So uh, that's where, yes, you want to keep them minimized, but also you don't want them to come in critical situations either. But, I mean, you guys touch upon all the points. And I always say when you're playing on the road, you either – and obviously everybody tries to get out off to a fast start, but that's easier said than done, especially given some of the environments that you play in. But you want to get off to a fast start. But if you don't, what you want to do is minimize the initial surge from the home team minimize that as best as possible, you know, limiting touchdowns to field goals, uh, limiting, you know, field position, hopefully uh, turning the field position to your uh, to your end of things. Or if they do score a touchdown early, be able to come back and at least get some points on the board, answer their calls, answer the bell. Now, Maryland has scored quite a bit in their first several series in each of these games. What happens if they come out and they don't score after their first three series? You know, that's where they're going to have to overcome that. Now, they should score a touchdown in one of their first three series, and that may be a telling sign right there uh, against Illinois. But it's one of the two. Either get out of the gate fast or withstand the charge and minimize the damage as much as possible. But ideally against this Illinois team, you can get them early and get the crowd out of it. That's certainly going to be uh, important in, in winning or helpful, I should say, in winning the game. Yeah, and guys, looking looking ahead a little bit before we hop off, um, you know, I wrote about this as well in my preview article up at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Yeah, this is a really good opportunity for for Maryland to um, continue a an undefeated September, and you've got that looming game against Iowa on October first, big Friday night game, your first conference home game against what'll likely be a top ten uh, opponent in Iowa. Uh, and you got to take care of business this week, and you got obviously got to take care of business next week against Kent State. But this is a really good opportunity um, to circle that game. And if you come into that four and zero, then you've got an opportunity to see how you stack up against one of the Big Ten's best teams. But we've seen this before. We saw it in 2019. Maryland got off to a really hot start against uh, Howard and Syracuse, and then went and lost to Temple while having that game against Penn State, that Friday night game circled on the calendar uh, and one that ended up being 
a disappointing loss, but then also disappointing even going into it because they didn't have the record that we expected them to have. Right. Yeah, that's very true, Zach. I mean, um, and, and, you know, to kind of give a, a shout out to our to our other Terps uh, BSL colleague, Jordan Katz, he wrote about that, you know, a few weeks ago about the importance of being 4-0 going into the Iowa game. Um, and then I kind of piggybacked off that and wrote about, you know, how just that win against West Virginia alone really um, shifted the bar in terms of the expectations we have for this team. Because so much of us were, you know, in wait and see mode. We were kind of cautiously optimistic. And, and, and as soon as we had that type of, uh, you know, out of conference win and, and looked as good as we did, um, you know, you immediately start jumping to, okay, bowl game is bare minimum. You know, how far can we actually finish? How high can we actually finish in the Big Ten? Um, so yeah, it all starts. It's one game at a time. I mean, they'll tell you, but it really is. I mean, you get caught looking ahead like they probably did the year you were talking about with Penn state. Um, that's how upsets happen. So, um, can't take any team lightly, whether it's Illinois, Kent state, uh, anyone. So yeah, I think, uh, you know, you take care of business this week. You feel really good about where you're at in, in that Kent state game, work out a few more kinks about, a an against an inferior team. Um, Iowa looks good. I, I have to say, I've watched them a little bit. They look very good, especially defensively. Um, but hey, you know that'll be if we're four and zero, that'll be a welcome challenge, and then we'll be uh, you know, very excited for that game. Yeah, I'm almost more excited to see how they stack up against Iowa than I am Ohio State at this point. <laughs> I think the you know, current climate, game, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just you know Ohio State, their defense hasn't really looked good this year. So let's see how they stack up against what could be an even better defense in Iowa. You know, that'll be a really good opportunity for this team. You got to take care of business, but you come into that 4-0, you're probably ranked too, because right now Maryland is receiving some votes in the AP poll. Right. I think they're ranked about 37th right now. You go 4-0 into that game, it's going to be a top 25 matchup yeah. on a Friday night. It, it could night. be a, an Iowa-Maryland or an Iowa-Michigan Big Ten final if Ohio State just can't there get you it go. together. <laughs> hey, I'm pumping the brakes on that. <laughs> I knew uh, one of you, know, you would, the, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought you'd like the so Michigan shout-out, you know? I do appreciate <laughs> that, but that's uh, – yeah, well, well, I'll see it when I believe it. But the fact, though, you're right, all those points very well made. 4-0 going into the Iowa game, and that game's at home on a Friday night as well. Again, a very charged crowd. And, again, the fact that that game's at home, that you don't have to go out to, to – uh, to Iowa City, I think that's uh, that's huge. But again, I like the way the schedule plays out. You know, a, a good litmus test, a, a solid game against a non-conference Power Five opponent. Week one, week two is Howard. Yeah, that's a big drop off a one to a team. But then you come back, first Big Ten game. That that game is on the road. Hopefully, you come out of victor there. And then you've got Kent State, who you don't sleep on at all, but you should take care of business against at home. And then you stay at home. And then you've got the toughest opponent to date coming into your house though. You're four. No, you're confident. And again, you're, you're, you've got the crowd. It's a Friday night and a lot to be excited about there. So I like the way that schedule is playing out. And really when you take a look at the road games this year, as of now, Illinois winnable game at Minnesota, as things have panned out right now, that is a winnable game for them at Michigan state. That is a winnable game for them as well. Now, Michigan State right now off to a 2-0 start. We'll see how they go. But still, even then, right now, a uh, winnable game for them. And then at Rutgers, you know, that's a winnable game. You know, Rutgers uh, started out great win at Temple, or a big win, I should say, against Temple. But then they struggled to get it done against uh, Syracuse. So 
with these road games, you're in good shape. It's not like you're going to Iowa. It's not like you're going to Michigan. You're not going to Penn State, and you're not going to Indiana. So that's big. Yeah, we talked about it before the year, how we the did. schedule played out. And uh, the, the only team uh, that was ranked that they were going to play on the road was Ohio State. Uh, all the other ranked teams that they were going to play are, were going to take place at home, um, and the first one being being Iowa on October 1st. So I didn't do predictions last week because I knew we were all predicting wins, and I, I, we're probably all predicting wins this week. I don't know. Well. I, I was sweating bullets before that game. <laughs> but, but, Mike, give me give me a thought for this game. Do you think close game? Do you think Maryland pulls away? How do you think this game is going to play out? Yeah, I, I do think, uh, and I'm going to be a little conservative on this, I do expect Illinois to bounce back and play a better game. I do think the Terps are a better team. And, I, look, there, there's going to be a few mistakes in that game that's likely to happen. That Yeah, they've been great with the the penalties and, and turnovers, but likely one of those will rear its ugly head at least a little bit. Um, but I, I do think they come out to victor. I know the spread is 7.5. Ah. I'm reluctant. I'm reluctant to take that, but I think they could win by seven. I think they could win by a score. If they won by 10, if they won by 13, would I be shocked? No, but I'll say this. Am I willing to say that the, the Terps would win uh, by two scores or more? No, I'm not. So my max is 13, but I'll take them winning by a touchdown in this one. I believe the last time Maryland played Illinois, it was back in 2018. The only time they've ever played them before, and they put up 63 points. So I guess we'll see what they can do. Pat, what do you think? Does Maryland cover? Um, well, it, it, it's a line that I wouldn't want to be forced to bet. You know, as Mike said, it's it, it, you, you never want to lay that po- that many points on you know on a home dog. Um, so, but if you put it, you know, if you forced me to bet on it, I'd probably have to take the points in the home dog. But still. Uh, would expect Maryland to win the game, just a closer one. Um, you know, could I see Maryland blowing blowing them out? Absolutely. Um, but you know, if I'm looking into my crystal ball and I had to take my best guess, I'd I'd probably agree, kind of with what Mike said earlier. You know, Illinois is going to come out behind that Friday night home crowd, give you their best punch. Who knows if that'll be a quarter or a half or whatever? But as long as you can withstand that punch, expect it, withstand it, not completely crumble. Uh, you should have the talent to get back in the game and, and win the game. So uh, that, that's yeah. sort of what I expect. And I know we talked about uh, against West Virginia when Maryland didn't score a touchdown on that first drive that was going really well and they had to settle for a field goal. Sometimes Maryland would uh, Maryland teams of the past might have gone into their shell and you know overthought some things and not come out strong. They came out strong through a 60-yard touchdown to Dante Demas the next drive. So I think this Maryland team has shown that when they are battle-tested a bit, they've, they're able to overcome it. They're probably going to be battle-tested even harder in this game that they've, than they've been all year. Uh, something's going to happen on the road that's going to throw them for a loop that they're not going to expect, and they're going to have to rebound. I'm feeling a much bigger win than both of you. I'm thinking 14 to 17 points they win by, maybe even more. I do think Illinois keeps it close for a half. I wouldn't be surprised if Maryland's only up seven or even if it's tied at the half. But I don't think Illinois has the talent to be able to withstand Maryland's offense, especially for an entire four quarters. And I think at the end, Talia and Maryland's wide receivers will come out strong. You know, they'll be rested. They'll have fresh wide receivers coming in. And the passing offense eventually leads Maryland to a bigger win than you might have thought maybe at halftime. 
And I think that's kind of how this goes down. I think we see it a lot with team, with games like this on the road. Illinois is probably going to be, like you said, Pat, fire it up uh, behind the crowd. You know, but I think Maryland's able to withstand that and come away um, with a big win and come home 3-0 and to play Kent State. And, and realize, too, that's an Illinois team, again, that's returning 15 starters. So, yeah. I mean, that plays into it for me as well that, again, two straight losses at home Friday night, fired up. I, I think you're going to get at least, as Pat talked about, we don't know exactly for how long, but I think you're going to get at least a good half out of them, maybe two and a half quarters. I see what you're saying, Zach, about them pulling away. For me, it's more, okay, Maryland, show me. You showed me at home against West Virginia. Yeah. Howard, I'm not counting that, but you got your, you took care of business. Good for you. But, okay, now you got to show me again. First road trip, a winnable game. Okay, let's see it. Yeah, this this whole season I think is going to be it's like just that for year. us. Yeah, sure, it really is. You know, Mike Loxley's third year. Where are you at? Um, and we've we've talked, we've seen it because we've seen it before. We've seen the potential. We've seen the talent, and it, they fall flat on their face at some point throughout the year. We've seen great starts in September. They're usually very yeah. good, and then when they play better opponents, they don't get it done. Yeah, so uh, you know, conference play it starts now, but it really ramps up in October. It's going to be prove it, prove it that you can win in conference play. So far, they haven't really, especially since they joined the Big Ten. We'll see. It'll be it'll be very interesting. This will be a game that that tests them most likely on the road. Um, and who knows? They may they may absolutely blow Illinois out of the water, and we may be talking about a big win here next week. Um, but I think no matter what, you come away with a win. That's all anyone's expecting. You come home, take care of business against Kent State, and like we said. And we'll continue to say that Iowa game is circled on everybody's calendar as a big one. So be sure to uh, to check out everybody's preview articles. Uh, I know, Pat, you, you put one up last week um, along with Jordan Katz, who has a good one up there. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, um, as I said before, is kind of just a look at the uh, the shifting of expectations and, and looking ahead at these next couple of games ahead of the Iowa game. Um but yeah, upcoming, um, I'll probably have. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get something in in time for the pre-Illinois game, but I might. If not, it'll be some sort of recap based on that, or you know, a look ahead to uh, further down the schedule. So, to to Mike, be determined. Know, yeah, Mike, I know you have some stuff in the works. What are you working on, article-wise? Yeah, I mean, just taking a look from a macro perspective of the first couple of games uh, with West Virginia, Howard, and then this Illinois game uh, a third of the way through. So kind of giving a, a quarter poll mark uh, as to where the program is this season and uh, and kind of recapping the games, how they went, and what we're, uh, what we're seeing out there as well. And, and the high school guys, as we talked about, they were the young guys uh, that, that are coming in, getting experience in the game as well. So, uh, yep. And taking a look, too, at the Big Ten, some of the other programs that they'll be playing against and where those programs are at this year. Some surprises, uh, some not-so-surprises. You, know, you always get a mixed bag every year. Yeah, looking forward to that. Check out everybody's articles on BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Uh, Maryland, Illinois, Friday night. Join the conversation on the message board before, during, after that game. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'll be on on duty on the Twitter account uh, for Friday night's game at Talking Terps BSL. And until next week, for my co-hosts, Mike Popovic and Pat Donahue, I'm Zach Kiesel. Roll Terps.